Spencer Rattler is continuing to prove all his doubters wrong this offseason. You know why? Because he is the most NFL-ready quarterback of his class. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on Fan Nation. Thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more as new customers right now can join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. The Reese's Senior Bowl just concluded a couple of days ago and in the week leading up to that, Former Gamecock Spencer Rattler, along with other former Gamecock Xavier Leggett, and a bunch of other college football upperclassmen went through some NFL-style practices, got some coaching from some coaches that are actually in the league. They got to interview with several front office personnel and scouts, and likely also some coaches at least to the side. And Spencer Rattler, after this past week, He is reportedly rising up draft boards, and this is not a shock to anyone down here in Columbia because, again, for the longest time, we've all known what Spencer Rattler possesses, and with all of the traits that Rattler does possess, he is the most NFL-ready quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft class. He has got a bunch of ingredients that you look for and a guy that you want to be the starting quarterback of your NFL franchise. He has got the arm talent, first and foremost. We all know this. Spencer Rattler, he has a once in a decade type of arm. Sure, he might not be able to throw the ball 70 plus yards down the field like a Josh Allen, but... Spencer Rattler, he's got great accuracy, his throwing motion is great, he's got a quick release, he can move outside of the pocket, he can make off-script plays, he can make throws that are off-balance, but still deliver the ball accurately, give his guy a chance to go and make a play. He can also switch arm angles however he wants to, depending on the kind of throw that he has to make. A lot of that stuff, you just cannot teach. You can't coach a guy up for four, five, six years, and all of a sudden that quarterback is going to do all the same things that Spencer Rattler already does without having even gone to the NFL. So that's the first ingredient that Spencer Rattler has that obviously everyone talks about is the arm talent. But he's also got other traits, other ingredients that will make him a great quarterback at the next level. He has experience dealing with adversity. Now, this is something that you hear multiple guys in the NFL scouting world talk about a lot. You know... You don't want a guy to come in to a really bad situation and he's done nothing but win. I mean, it's a good thing, obviously, if you get a winner at quarterback. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's a good example and he's one I can think of off the top of my head. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, right, a couple years ago. And Trevor Lawrence was used to winning, right? Cartersville High School, I believe, in Georgia. He dominated. 
at that level. He then goes to Clemson. Clemson wins a national championship with him, and they go to several college football playoffs. He then goes to the Jaguars, and sure, the situation was a bit more unique in that sense because of Urban Meyer and how awful of a coach and, quite frankly, person that he can be at times. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, it took him a while to get things going because it was his first time in a very long time, or maybe ever, that he had dealt with adversity in his football career. Spencer Rattler's already dealt with that. Getting benched at Oklahoma, being forced to have to basically pick up and move elsewhere, going into the SEC for a team like South Carolina that, sure, always has some solid individual talent at certain spots, but they're never known for being one of the most talented teams collectively in the entire league. And, of course, 2023, it didn't always go Spencer Rattler's way Despite how well he was doing individually, the team did not have a great season. So he has dealt with adversity, and that has led to maturity, a maturation process unfolding with Spencer Rattler, and he's also more humble. These people that continue to say that he's this arrogant guy that is a selfish teammate, um, clearly they've been living under a rock the past six years. Sure, maybe back then there were certain traits that you would not have liked about Spencer Rattler, the person, but... I would say that Spencer Rattler, he has, uh, he's been humbled a great deal. And if the recent interviews that he's done with several people doesn't show that, then I really don't know what else you have to see in order to come to that conclusion. Another ingredient that he has, something that not very many quarterbacks in his class have, he has experience in a pro-style system. 2022 under Marcus Satterfield, and this past fall under Dow Loggins. Now, obviously, if we want to talk about which coach really made him better, we are going to automatically point to Dow Loggins. Dow Loggins, with all the experience he brought from the NFL ranks heading into this past fall, he clearly helped out Spencer Rattler a lot. And it says a lot that Spencer Rattler had a better season to, excuse me, statistically. And uh, he probably had less talent around him at the skill positions in 2023 compared to the previous season. But at the same time, you do have to give Marcus Satterfield at least a little bit of credit for the sense that he did push Spencer Rattler out of his comfort zone a little bit. You know, going from an air raid system where sometimes you just got to make one or two reads and then get rid of the football. It's very, very different from a pro-style system where you got progressions you got to go through. There are certain things in the pocket that you're expected to do. And yes, at times, maybe Satterfield pushed Rattler out of his comfort zone in a negative sense, but he also did in a positive sense as well. And he does deserve some props for that. And that did force Spencer Rattler to grow and adapt as a quarterback. The last thing I want to discuss is his leadership qualities. It kind of goes back to my point earlier about his maturation process and being more humble. Spencer Rattler never pointed the finger at other players on this team when he was at South Carolina. When bad games unfolded, when maybe he had a subpar night, he was more than willing to admit, hey, I probably have a few throws and a few sacks that I took that I would like to get back from tonight's game. He also defended players at times when maybe they, quite frankly, didn't deserve to be defended. When they obviously were a unit that were hold, that was holding the team back, especially in 2023. Spencer did all of that. And then in the Senior Bowl, during practice this past week, you see Spencer rather go through a drill with a certain receiver, maybe from Georgia, Ladd McConkey or a Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. And they come running back, and he's high-fiving them as they come back saying, hey, great job. I obviously did not see all the other quarterbacks, so I'm not saying Rattler was the only one, but he made it a point to interact with the guys, to talk with them, 
And from what I also saw, he was one of the only guys out of that quarterback group that was down in Mobile this past week that took time after practice to sign autographs and chat with fans who had come down there to watch these guys in practice. That says a lot about Spencer Rattler and how he's going to be a great ambassador for whichever franchise drafts him in April. And I get it. He probably won't get drafted in the first round. Heck, he might not get drafted in the second round. That doesn't mean that Spencer Rattler is a worse quarterback than the other guys that might get drafted ahead of him. It is why he is the most NFL-ready quarterback in this class. The only thing he doesn't have is prototypical size. He's not six foot three, six foot four, whatever. Just because you're barely six foot doesn't mean you can't be successful in the NFL. So Spencer Rattler, I'm happy for him. I think Game Cognition is happy for him because, again, uh, everyone down here has known this for a very long time now. And I think that I speak for everyone I, when I say we're glad to see that some other folks are finally waking up to the fact that Spencer Rattler has changed a lot in a great way as a football player and also as a person, which is why whoever drafts him in a couple months' time is going to be a big winner in the 2024 NFL Draft. Now, we got a big basketball game coming up later tonight for Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks as they'll be taking on the Ole Miss Rebels. We're going to discuss that game later, but we also got to discuss the circumstances surrounding this game considering the fact that this is the first time all season that South Carolina is entering a game as a ranked team and that's going to lead to a new kind of pressure being placed on the men's basketball team for South Carolina I'll discuss why that will be the case in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, we are officially less than seven days away from Super Bowl 58, so I know a lot of you are probably getting really excited. And FanDuel is offering you a bunch of specialty bets for you to uh, go ahead and take a look at what all could happen in this upcoming Super Bowl. And one of these specialty bets is the color of the first Gatorade that's poured on the winning head coach of Super Bowl 58. They got a bevy of different colors from green, lime, yellow, you name it. But they've also got purple and red slash pink on there. The purple odds are set at plus 380, and the red slash pink odds are set at plus 490. Why do I bring those two up? There was a massive conspiracy around the color of the logo for Super Bowl 58. A lot of people therefore thought that, hey, the Chiefs and Ravens are going to meet up, and if that's the case, that's proof that the NFL is rigged, that there is a script. So... If you're interested in maybe branching off of that conspiracy and looking further into this with the Gatorade color, then uh, I would definitely recommend you go look at those two odds right there. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for who will be the MVP, how many points will be scored, and so much more. So new customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, I really appreciate each and every one of you everydayers who made the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch on YouTube or your first listen wherever you get your audio podcast daily. South Carolina's men's basketball team is finally ranked 
As the polls came out on Monday afternoon, it was discovered that South Carolina is 15th in the AP Top 25 poll and 20th in the USA Today Coaches poll. By the way, shout out to the Locked On College Basketball crew. I have definitely sent them a few messages during this season, you know, trying to say, hey, uh, take a closer look at South Carolina and what they're doing right now. And they were the first out of all three of those polls to actually write the Gamecocks. So please be sure to give some love to those guys over there, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton. Those guys do a great job over on that podcast. But to get back to this discussion here, South Carolina being ranked is great because it is rewarding to the players that they're finally being recognized for all the hard work that they've put in this season and all the wins that they've racked up. But there is a flip side to this coin. South Carolina is now going to be under a new or different kind of pressure from this point moving forward. Because think about the metamorphosis of the perception of South Carolina over the past four or five months. SEC Media Day this past October, I want to say, they were voted, of course, as everyone now knows, the worst team in the SEC. They were projected to finish last in the conference this upcoming season. Then they were kind of viewed as a fool's gold team. You know, well, that's just great. You know, they're kind of 10 and 1 right now, but their non conference schedule was super weak. And so a lot of people just still did not take them seriously. Then they continued to win, even as SEC play started. And so South Carolina was viewed as a middle-of-the-pack team. Okay, well, maybe they're a bit better than we gave them credit for, but they're still not going to contend with the Kentuckys and the Tennessees and the Auburns of the world. And then South Carolina turned around. They beat number 6 Kentucky at home. Not even beat, they trounced them, basically, in a basketball sense. And they went and upset Tennessee up in Knoxville a week from today. This past week, I should say. So now, South Carolina is not only ranked, but they are viewed as a legitimate contender for the SEC regular season title and, unless they collapse over the next few weeks, a surefire NCAA tournament team. That is where this team is now, as far as their perception is concerned. And with this success that they've had on the court, and now this newfound respect they're getting from the national media space in college basketball, there are now going to be some consequences of success. And I want to make this clear. I am not the first person to say consequences of success. That actually comes from Josh Pate uh, over on Lake Kick, who talks about college football every so often. And that's one of his things. So just want to make that clear. I'm not trying to take that as my own. But I like it so much that I do want to use it on this show. There are definitely some consequences of success here from Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks because any losses now to teams that are viewed to be worse than the Gamecocks, those will be weighed more heavily against them. So a team like an LSU, for example, maybe they're not terrible, but they're also not a good to great team in this conference right now. If you were to lose a home game to the LSU Tigers later this season, that would be viewed as a pretty bad loss for South Carolina. That's now viewed as a game where... You should win that game nine times out of ten, okay? And also, on the flip side of that coin, if South Carolina beats a team that's considered to be better than them, which that group is now significantly smaller than it was at the start of the season, that win is going to be weighed a lot less because South Carolina is now viewed as a team that can pull off those kind of wins. They can beat a Kentucky. They can beat a Tennessee. I would be willing to bet today that if South Carolina played Alabama again, and this time they either had him in Columbia or on a neutral court, 
South Carolina would not be losing by 27 points. I promise you that. That game would be a lot closer. Bama would not win that game by a landslide at the end of it. So basically what I'm getting at is this. South Carolina is now kind of on middle ground when it comes to their quest to gain national respect because now they have gained a ton of national respect. They're no longer viewed as an underdog. As a matter of fact, now, in a way, they have a bullseye that's now on their back in terms of people who are watching them from the national media space and also some SEC teams who are fighting and scrapping for a postseason spot in the NCAA tournament now, which right now, South Carolina is no longer in that group. Again, they're a team now that's viewed as a likely NCAA tournament team. And so, Lamont Paris and this basketball team, they no longer can just look at external factors. Yes, Lamont can still remind them every single day, hey, remember, all these people thought you were the worst team in the conference. He still has that to lean on, and maybe he's going to get a lot more juice out of that than I'm kind of expecting. But now that the team is ranked, they're going to have to find more intrinsic ways or basically internal ways to motivate themselves. They're no longer going to be able to just sit there and go, well, we're not ranked, so we got to go out there and prove those guys wrong again. No, they can't say that anymore. This team now, they have got to find a new way to motivate themselves, a new way to maintain the level of intensity that got them here in the first place. And that can be a good thing. It can also be a dangerous thing. I think it is a good thing overall for this team because, again, this team is an older squad. We've said that now a thousand times probably. Taylon Cooper, BJ Mack, Miji Johnson, Miles Studi, Josh Gray, all these guys. I mean, really outside of a Zachary Davis and Kyle Murray Boyles, this team is a very, very old and experienced group. So they're probably not going to be as affected by this newfound respect as maybe a very young team would, a team like a Kentucky that's maybe filled with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. If that was the case, maybe fans would have a bit more reason to be a bit worried about how they handle all this. But I think the team's going to handle it just fine. It doesn't change the fact, though, that the pressure from this point forward is going to be different and unique compared to what they have dealt with to this point in the 2023-24 through 24 season. Now, as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina will be in action later tonight as they take on Chris Beard and the Ole Miss Rebels, a matchup of two teams that have been the two biggest surprises in the SEC up to this point in the season. And there's one aspect of this game where I really like the Gamecocks' chances at the end. So we're going to talk about that aspect and dive into some numbers on Ole Miss in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and also level it up to peak performance. Whether it's a supercharger, a roof rack, exhaust kit, or LED headlights, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. 
Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, let's take a closer look at the Gamecocks upcoming game against the Ole Miss Rebels. And don't worry, I'm not going to dive into offense versus defense and defense versus offense. I'm not just going to read a bunch of numbers out to y'all. But there is one aspect of this game that I do think Gamecock fans will need to pay attention to. An aspect of this game that I think South Carolina Lamont Paris can take advantage of. And that is the fact that Ole Miss, in terms of their defense on the road, They've not performed all that well to this point in the season. In six total road games this winter, the Ole Miss Rebels are giving up an average of 78.8 points per game to their opponents. They are being outscored on average by seven points when they are on the road. Now, to dive into this a little bit further, Four of those six road games have been against teams who rank in the top 50 nationally in field goal percentage defense. That includes opponents like UCF, LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee. South Carolina will be the fifth team this season on the road that Ole Miss has faced that fits that same group. Ole Miss, in the four games that they've played against those kind of teams to this point in the season, are 1-3, and three, and they allow their opponents to shoot 47.6% from the field. That's 7.5 percentage points higher than what the Rebels do offensively in those same games. To top it all off, the Ole Miss Rebels do not have a lot of experience facing a team like South Carolina who's going to slow things down to a snail's pace because of their defensive prowess and also how they play in the half court offensively. They've only faced one team on the road this season that ranks in the bottom 120 in the country in adjusted tempo, and that is Texas A&M, who, according to Kempom, ranks 318th in terms of adjusted tempo out of 362 Division I men's basketball teams. South Carolina, for reference, is 353rd. They are the ninth slowest team, if my math is correct, in the country when it comes to their tempo. And the thing that I did note about that last bullet point there is Ole Miss did defeat the Texas A&M Aggies. I believe the final score of that game was actually 71-68. to So Ole Miss was held to a lower point total than they're used to when they're playing at home for comparison's sake. But A&M just was not able to hit a bunch of shots on that night. And that was a bit of an outlier performance for the Rebels in terms of efficiency and volume when it came to their three-point shooting. Because they made 41.7% of their three-point shots, or 10 of their 24 attempts. Against the other teams that I talked about earlier, Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee in the SEC, Ole Miss shot 23.5% against Auburn, they shot 25% against LSU, and they shot 37.5% against Tennessee when it came to three-point shooting. So, when they're on the road and they're facing a notable defense in this conference, Ole Miss struggles when it comes to their three-point shooting. And the thing is, that is something that this team has leaned on a lot this year. As a matter of fact, I think the Rebels are 13th in the country when it comes to three-point shooting percentage, offensively speaking. So in this game, South Carolina, obviously, they're going to have to account for that. Ole Miss has a balanced scoring attack in their starting lineup. They have at least four players that average 12 points per game 
or more. That is led by Matthew Morrell, who Gamecock fans might be familiar with because South Carolina played against Matthew Morrell when they played Ole Miss this past season, I believe on three different occasions. But if South Carolina can limit Ole Miss's three-point attempts, in essence, if they can force them to have to make contested shots, force them to play some isolation basketball, which Ole Miss might not be comfortable doing because Ole Miss ranks dead last in the SEC when it comes to free throw attempts per game. South Carolina is the best team in the SEC in terms of not fouling their opponent. So the Rebels are going to probably be forced to have to make a lot of shots far away from the basket. That plays in the favor of South Carolina, if you ask me. And then offensively speaking, South Carolina, they have faced teams before that are not very good defensive teams. Kentucky's a good example. I believe that they ranked in the 90s in terms of defensive efficiency, according to Kempom, when the Gamecocks played the Wildcats a couple weeks back. And we all saw what happened in that game. Kentucky, they just could not stop South Carolina defensively. I kind of view Ole Miss as a team of a similar ilk, the only difference being that Ole Miss is willing to kind of play at a slower pace. That is something also to watch in this matchup. But when you look at this entire game and you look at how these teams match up against one another. I, I, in my opinion, in this league, in this sport, just like football, defense has to travel for you if you want to win games like this. And so for Ole Miss, we have to just look at the numbers. At this point, it is a trend. When they play on the road against capable opponents in this conference, Ole Miss does not fare well defensively speaking. So I expect South Carolina to have a really good night tonight offensively. They've also been on an absolute toward pace lately when it comes to assisting on their baskets. I believe that each of their last 48 makes, they've assisted on 40 of those baskets. And I believe John Rothstein tweeted out that statistic or put that in an article that he posted a couple days back. So South Carolina's offense right now, they are humming in terms of sharing the basketball. That does not bode well for Ole Miss in this environment in the Colonial Life Arena in front of a crowd that is going to be sponsoring a whiteout for this game. So I really like South Carolina's chances to knock off the Rebels tonight and move on to 20-3 and on the season. What are your thoughts on tonight's men's basketball matchup? What do you think South Carolina's going to deal with in terms of the kind of pressure they'll be facing moving forward now that they're ranked? And what are your thoughts on what Spencer Rattler did down in Mobile this past week and how he's proving all of his doubters wrong? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or you could shoot me a direct message on X at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank you all so much for tuning in and I sincerely apologize for how late this show is coming out today. I know good and well that that's not good enough. Y'all deserve way better than that. I've been really bad about that recently. I promise y'all, I'm going to really try my hardest to nip this in the bud and make sure that this does not keep happening. That's on me 1,000%. Just wanted to make that clear before I exited today's show. But with that being said, thank you for tuning in. As always, have a great rest of your Tuesday and enjoy the game tonight if you're going to the CLA. I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.